sources. Cuban is beside himself, driving around downtown Dallas begging through texts Jordan's family for the address to DeAndre Jordan's house. We crushed them on the basketball court and we're going to for years because of the way we've built this team. We're light years ahead of probably every other team in the structure in planning and how we're going to go about things. Anything is possible! Welcome back to Backboard of the Rings. We are here to talk about the upcoming NBA Finals. I'm your host, Bard Lee, and I am joined by the front rap supreme of the team, uh, Shellen, a.k.a. Eric. The crunch rap supreme, huh? Like the the weird hexagon thing from Taco Bell? Is that what we're talking about here? Yes, yeah. But they have... The whole point is you can walk with it and eat it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that well, that's fair. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. They they have walking tacos, I think, as well, which is just like a bag of chips with junk in it that, that accomplishes oh. the same thing. Yeah, we didn't have that at my Taco Bell Express, so I am not that familiar with it. Um, I'm the cheesy gordita crunch because that's the best item at Taco Bell. Oh, fair. Uh, with chicken and uh, baja sauce and pico de gallo. Get that. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, we're missing the. Uh, what did I call him? The keeper of bear culture, Bayorn. He uh, is off to see Lori Markkinen to try to convince him to demand a trade to the Mavs. So good luck to that, Dan. Yeah, it's like 4 a.m. in Finland where he is currently. So he didn't want to have to listen to you this early in the morning before he had his coffee, I think, was was what I gathered from his uh, conversation. And I don't really blame him. But, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean... The pre-roll here has been pretty insane, so he would not want to handle it. <laughs> not <that>. at all. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the docket today, the admin, we're going to do... Well, we originally planned on having Dan on, so we, we kind of have pivoted a little bit here. Uh, we were each going to bring two players who impressed us, but were not on a team that made it to the NBA Finals. So instead, uh, we're just going to do six here, because that was the allotted number. Um, then we are going to do a really quick rapid fire on teams that missed out. I think we'll kind of punt talking in depth about them, um, today. I think that might make more sense, uh, after the finals to kind of do a whole, like, postmortem of the whole season. Yep. And then we'll talk about the finals matchup and we'll make a prediction. I think my prediction should be pretty easy. I hope people remember that in the preseason, I picked the Denver Nuggets go to the NBA Finals. And then I doubled down on the postseason preview. Denver Nuggets going to the NBA Finals. So I wonder who I'm going to pick to win the NBA Finals. Seems hard to figure that out, doesn't it? Well, I can't, I can't remember. Did, did you pick the Nuggets to be the winner in either of those, or did we pick winners, or did we just pick who would make the Finals? Um, our predictions. I don't know if we... I probably... I probably had us try to pick a winner, and I would. I, I'm pretty sure I picked the Bucks both times. Sure, if we had done it. So you know that part still, of it. Uh, you were on the good. bandwagon fully for the Nuggets, at least to this point. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Very early too. Yeah, picking him in the preseason that was kind of like a, a bold pick. I think a lot of people liked them, but wouldn't have picked them. So anyway, we get to that later. Um, I just gotta get that up front right away, just to remind. Yeah, no, everybody. impressive. We we've made a lot of predictions <laughs> on this. Over the last two years, we've been doing NBA stuff, and they've almost all been wrong. So, correct. Uh, great job by you <laughs> to actually <laughs> nail one. Yeah, that was the only kind of difficult one because I think the easy one we got all right were those Nets lightning round ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, those hardly count. Blow up. 
Those dance don't count. <laughs> so um, let's move right into our six players who impressed us. Do you want to go first or should I? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, okay. And I'm actually going to go with the Homer pick. So I'm going to pick my, my second one that I have written down there. Ah, yes. From the Golden State Warriors and from the beautiful city of Milwaukee, uh, Kavon That's Looney. Right. I think for a player that we don't think about and talk about that much during the regular season, even as a Warriors fan, he has got to be like the fifth guy on the pecking order, at least of <laughs> players that you're thinking yeah. about over the course of Probably a regular lower. season. <laughs> yeah, maybe even lower. But last year's playoffs and this year's playoffs, he has shown just how vital he is, at least on that team. Like his who knows how well his skills would transfer. He's another one of those like system guys that we talk about that is probably good on another team as well, but is great on the Warriors. Um, I just wanted to pull up a couple stats from him. He, he, he got played off the court a little bit in the Lakers series, not so much as a fault of his own, just so much as it Draymond going up against Davis was definitely their better defensive option. Um, And they needed, all the offense they could get <laughs> thanks to some of the other guys not performing yeah. super admirably, but just looking at his playoff stats, even knowing that he didn't play a ton of minutes, especially in their two wins against the Lakers, he didn't play a lot. Um, Just talking traditional counting stats right here. Um, His rebounding numbers in the playoffs were crazy. He, averaged the third most rebounds per game of any player in the playoffs behind Davis and Jokic uh, at 13 rebounds a game, including five offensive rebounds a game, which is really where uh, he killed Sacramento. Um, And that series, you know, there was a lot of talk about Sabonis potentially being a problem for the Warriors because the Kings, they run a lot through De'Aaron Fox, but they do a lot of that uh, point center sort of stuff with Sabonis during the regular season as well. And Looney, his ability to just get rebounds and to stop Sabonis uh, just by being kind of a wall on defense really mm-hmm. helped them in that series because the Warriors were in trouble in a lot of points in that one. They needed you know, some heroics from Curry, but they couldn't have even gotten to the point of getting those heroics without Looney's just crazy offensive rebounding. Um, And just to kind of put it into even more perspective, you know, he averaged 25 minutes per game and basically averaged the same number of rebounds Jokic averages in 39 minutes per game. (laughs) Just one rebound less than Davis averaged in uh, 38 minutes a game. So if you go per 100 numbers for him there he averaged 24 rebounds per 100 possessions that is insane including nine offensive rebounds like his rebounding numbers were just off the charts like like rot dennis rodman level rebounding numbers for the warriors in the playoffs this year so he impressed me i think i saw i think it was roger who writes for uh the ringer said you know that steph clay and dre are going to have a statue together probably. And Looney doesn't belong in that statue, but there should be a statue somewhere in the background. Mm -hmm. That's just Looney grabbing a rebound. (laughs) And I think, and I think that's fair. Like his, what he has provided to the team has been so underlooked. I think people looked at it and saw him in the playoffs last year and were like, wow, Looney's great. And then he still didn't get any offers really. And the warriors were able to kind of pay him 
not a ton of money to stick around when people thought we might lose him. And he showed his worth again here, even more so this playoff series. I can't believe you insulted him by calling him Dennis Robin. He was freaking Bill Russell, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. Like it was- <laughs> it, it's, it's just it's crazy that some guy who is adequate defensively is a complete zero offensively oh, yeah. is still playable because of how extremely important and good he is at the one thing he's good at. Like mm-hmm. you see specialists in other sports. You don't see specialists in basketball other than like your three point shooter off the bench. who like, yeah, they can't defend or dribble, but we can play them 20 minutes a game and just have them shoot threes. Like Mooney is just straight up a rebounding specialist that plays sometimes plays 30 minutes a night and will only score four points on completely wide open dunks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's not even like a good, like pick and roll guy. Cause he doesn't, no. have any, he doesn't have a bag. I, I hate when people always talk about that. He doesn't have any moves. He literally, he just basically can only finish at the rim. Well, and he, yeah. he can't jump. So he's not a lob threat either. Like he, yeah. he his defensive strategy is basically just stay on the ground and be immovable. He doesn't mm-hmm. bite on fakes cause he can't jump high enough to get faked <laughs> on a pump fake. Like, uh, yeah. love him. Love him. He had a great postseason. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you were talking about the Sabonis thing, and that was, like, Sabonis plays a lot of bully ball. He really tries to, like, push guys around, and, like, mm-hmm. Draymond and Looney are guys that can't really get pushed around that way, and that's why they were so effective in that yep. series. And, um, yeah, and, and with the, the Lakers thing, you couldn't really play two bigs in that series. Uh, you're, exactly. Warriors' you... offense was so bad, and also the, the um, Lakers weren't playing two bigs. So it's like, well, there's no point in playing two bigs because Jared Vanderbilt is not doing anything on offense. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's funny, though, that you mentioned Looney's uh, lack of jump and uh, other things, because I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on here before. You mentioned the Milwaukee thing, but it's I have to read you from uh, some prep stuff about him when he was coming out of um, high school, because he was like one of I think he was like a top 10 guy or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, here's a here we go. This is a little long here, but I have to read this. Because it's pretty funny in hindsight. Um. So this is, I'm going to start with this guy. His name is Tom Diener. Uh, do you remember Travis Diener, the guy from Marquette all those years ago? Yeah, Tony yeah, May? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think this is his father. He's okay. a coach. Um, says, I've been fortunate. I've coached a lot of great players over the years, but I, I would have to say Kavan's the most gifted kid I've ever had the chance to work with, said Diener, who has been a head coach for 27 years, the last four Hamiltons. This is this is a pretty old article, obviously. This is, mm-hmm. um, at six foot seven. 170 oh sorry the six foot seven 170 pound small forward closed out his sophomore season in march playing in milwaukee's rugged city conference he averaged 10.9 points per game while making 49 percent of his shots he also grabbed 8.6 rebounds and handed out 1.9 assists per contest the game has really become dominated by what i call athletic players not necessarily skilled players but kavan is extremely skilled said diener who has won five state, uh, five state titles, meaning he pivots very well, passes very well. He has a very textbook-looking jump shot, and then he's just very smart, makes great decisions. Looney excels at his jump shot, <laughs> but Diener thinks his star player does his best work from inside 15 feet. Looney can make, or sorry, Looney can post up undersized forwards and centers and work his way inside for rebounds, and is a tremendous shot blocker with his long arms. I see myself as a wing, almost like a slasher type player, Looney said. 
Off the wing, I can shoot the ball pretty good. Looney said getting to the basket in his mid-range game are his two best attributes. The junior-to-be can play any position on the floor, but he considers himself a small forward. However, it's not uncommon for Looney to bring the ball up the court. <laughs> I think he's going to be one of the most... Or he's going to be one of those guys that can play all over the floor, Diener said. More and more, the great players are the ones that can play all, of, all over the floor. Uh, ellipses. He's a lot like Durant in the way that he plays, <laughs> where he can go inside and he can play facing the basket, 20 feet from the basket. He's going to be pretty versatile. Diener hears all the time from Division One coaches saying how much Looney reminds, him, reminds them of Durant. That's quite an accomplishment for a 16-year-old to be compared to a player who has won three straight NBA scoring titles. Oh my God, Sheldon. Ah, that's so funny. It is. Um, it, it's a little sad too, because, you know, his issues are kind of like Sean Livingston's issues in that mm-hmm. he had a pretty terrible hip injury before he even, like, start. I think it was in the summer before his freshman year at UCLA. I think that so. just hurt that. his athleticism so much. And then he's had two further like major hip injuries since entering the NBA. So it's more of a testament to like how hard he's worked that yet he was turned himself from this athletic rangy wing to basically being this non jumping NBA big man, <laughs> just kind of by necessity. Um, Cause yeah, most, most of his issues from athleticism are definitely injury related. You know, there's just yeah, no injury left yep. there, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But you know, some of these things in here that you're looking at, like, Oh, I can see why he's still a good player. You know, Diener talks about like he passes well, mm-hmm. you know, he's a smart, great decision maker. He grabs, you know, a lot of rebounds. Uh, he's not really a shot blocker anymore. Cause he said he doesn't jump. So it's hard to block shots if you don't jump, <laughs> but no, he can but get especially- tests. Especially you know. in the King series, like almost all their second chance points were Looney grabbing a rebound and then finding somebody that was open behind the three point line. You know, I mean, he he got plenty of assists here in the playoffs, almost all off that same sort of thing. He's not mm-hmm. Draymond out there facilitating as a playmaker, but definitely a more than serviceable passer as a big guy. Yeah, when he gets the rebound, he's not like lost. He knows what he exactly. Ball, so he's a smart, high IQ guy, um, which is the Warriors like. And so we'll move on from Looney. Uh, I won't talk more about his Milwaukee ties uh, again for a thousand years, as I always do every time we talk about him. To uh, the other Warrior player I wanted to mention, uh, Steph. And mostly it's just because it's, uh, you're like, how can you be impressed by Steph? He was the finals MVP last year. I think this team stunk. <laughs> like, what, we just talked about Kavan Looney, and we were, we were basically just like, wow, it was so great. He did such a great job rebounding. He's diminished athletically. You know, he's... Just a really hard worker, blue collar, lunch pail type guy. That's that Midwestern attitude. Uh, he was their second best player in the postseason. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, that team stunk, and I can't believe that he got that team past the the uh, Kings. And then uh, I know that they lost to the Lakers, but um, Steph was doing everything he could to keep them in. Yeah, he and... tried to drag them to the conference finals. <laughs> he, he he didn't quite have enough, but he sure tried. Yeah, he shot a lot. And uh, he did everything he could to do it. Um, so I'm just impressed that, like, he, they had to know, and he had to know that this team wasn't good enough. And, like, because Jordan Poole was a, a corpse. Uh, like, I, I kept telling you, I kept joking, the pool was the pool was closed for the summer. It was drained because he was bad. Yep. Play didn't look good. He couldn't get anything going in, like, any of these games, it felt like. Mm-hmm. And it was really just a Steph show. And then um, 
occasionally either one of Looney or Draymond would show up to be good in the game, but usually not. <laughs> uh, and it really just was him. And it was um, like that he had to know the team wasn't good enough and how much he had to carry. And I was just uh, at his at his age. He's 35, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, to play. He's playing some of his best basketball ever. And you just got to tip your hat to a guy who's trying to carry this corpse of a roster. Uh, right. And I mean, Western as finals, somebody who's watched a ton of Warriors games over the past decade, like when when you think of the Warriors since Steve Kerr took over, the motion offense is the, is the thing you think of for sure. And yeah. we've always been a bit heavier as a pick and roll team come playoff time because you just you you need the ball in Curry's hands more. You, you know, Kerr realized that very early on. You can't win a seven-game playoff series just running motion the whole time. Uh, but we saw it, in especially in the finals against Boston last year, and then saw it all playoffs after about game three when they lost to the Kings there. Like, they ran more Steph Draymond pick and roll in this playoff series than they have at any other point in time in Steph's career. Mm-hmm. Like the number of pick and roll possessions with him as the handler, it, his usage rate was the single highest he's it's ever been in his career, including other playoffs. Um, and he <laughs> excelled. He performed as well as he possibly could have. He had a 50 point closeout game on the road in game seven in Sacramento. God, yes. Yeah. Um, which is just, you know, I mean, Tatum basically came and did the same thing and broke his record just a couple weeks later. But but the Warriors needed all 50 of Steph's to win that game, whereas Tatum oh, right. was kind yeah. of blowing out a Philadelphia team that quit. Um, <laughs> For sure. And, you know, I, I said it on the postseason preview cast that, like, when I saw that the Warriors were on the same side as the Lakers and I kind of figured the Lakers were going to beat the Grizzlies, I was like, there's just no chance. Like, the, the, the matchup is just so bad. Uh and even though it was, they came so, I mean, they were, they were what, a Lonnie Walker <laughs> yeah, insane crazy. heat check yep. game away from potentially being a seven game series against a team that they were pretty overmatched athletically by just because of Steph. Uh, so yeah, he was very impressive this postseason. Yeah. So um, I know, like I said, it's Steph, obviously, but you know, uh, the team wasn't very good and he, he, Really laid it out there for him this year in a different way too, right? You said a lot of uh, pick and rolls with him, which is not the case. So, um, yeah, had to had to give him the shout out for uh, a lot of fun games. Um, give me your second one here that you want to do. Sure, I'm going to go to kind of a, a briefer one here in the middle, uh, and that would be Anthony Edwards. Uh, impressed me, and it's it's tough to single out somebody that only played five games in the postseason because they got. They got beat by the Nuggets in the first round. Um, you know, now up, yeah. after we've seen the Nuggets sweep the Lakers and do very well against the Suns, like you, you, that kind of makes sense, especially with uh, McDaniel's breaking his fist and, and, and them being pretty <laughs> undermanned uh, there. But Edwards was basically the only one that kept them alive. They didn't get blown out in any of those games in that series. Like a lot of them were close. They lost in overtime in one of them. You know, like they they were mm-hmm. going toe-to-toe with the Nuggets on a per-game basis. They just, you know, didn't have it to get there. And it was pretty much entirely Edwards. Gobert did his normal thing where you, you're paying this guy an almost max contract to, to try to stop somebody that plays his position, and he was getting worked. Towns was 
his inconsistent Usual. self, but Edwards yeah. came out and averaged over 30 points a game in that playoff series. Um, he's still super young. He's improving his like jump shot, three point shot and those sorts of things. I, you know, it's, it's so tough to say definitively, like this is the guy at, at, at this stage of players careers. But if you're Minnesota, you have to think that if you can somehow get rid of the, the cat and go bear contracts and all these sorts of things that the Edwards, he feels like a guy that's good enough to build a playoff contending caliber team around at this point, give him a couple more years to get into that 25, 26 year old range sort of thing. I don't know. We talked a little bit before the show that some of this isn't as much stat driven as it is just gut driven. And for whatever reason, I kind of feel about Ant like I felt about Jaw a couple playoffs ago, where it was like, no, like this dude is a future star in the league. And, you know, obviously both of them have their off-court stupidity issues. Um, hopefully Edwards can can sort his out a little bit. They're not quite as egregious, but um, I don't know. I, I was left very impressed by his playoff performance. Yeah, he's the only guy in that team who I'm like is a dog, right? He, yes. He's the only guy who's like, yeah, I want him in a postseason because it's like, Cat, you mentioned it. He, I mean, I I have the hilarious epic rant against them from a couple of uh, these ago when I just killed them for being a loser franchise. <laughs> He's the only guy in the team that I'm like, like I said, that I'm like, yeah, this is a this is a guy, you know, Cat. He's, as you mentioned, inconsistent. He makes, he keeps doing the same stupid stuff over and over again with his fouling and he's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's just a frustrating player. Go Bears, you mentioned one-way guy. Um, and you know, I, he, I sometimes I think some of his, uh, limitations get overblown, but he used to be able to play Jokic better and the, the Gobert's gotten worse and Jokic has gotten better and the gap has gotten way bigger and it's a, it's a problem. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just not a fan of the roster building going on in, um, Minnesota really, but Ant is a keeper, I think, and right. he's still also pretty young. Um, yeah, he's only 21 still, I mean, which is crazy yeah. to think about. He's he's kind of like got that Jason Tatum feel where it's like, wait, Tatum is still 19? Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, he, he's still, you know, we've got four years away from him being in his prime, as it were, for most NBA players, so. Yeah, yeah, so I agree. Uh, you know, short thing, but he's he is the only guy, guy in that team that I think is uh, well. We get, I guess, we didn't get to see as you mentioned McDaniel, right? Because he freaking punched a wall, so right. Uh, he might be interesting, but uh, for all the for what we've seen, we know Ant looks like a real guy, and there's a team needs to go basically. Um, but I will do another guy who is a dog here, and that is going to be Jalen Brunson. Yep. My God, uh, it's so funny. Uh, it would have been Con of the Rings last year. I was uh, the origin of Dan appearing on on this uh, show, and kind of the origin of us doing this show, almost a little bit. Um, we were discussing Brunson and what we thought about him, and uh, we were both way off the mark on uh, how good he could be. Yeah, because uh, I we were both at that lunch. We were like, we like him a lot, but we're not sure if he could be a number two guy in a title team, like. Definitely, he can be a number two guy in a title team because he is the reason they beat the Cavs. He eviscerated the Cavs. Like, mm-hmm. 
they could not handle him. And the, he's small guy against the trees, and they did not know what to do. And it was crazy. Um, he was so good in that series. And then even in the Heat series, uh, they were uh, a little overmatched, and some of the other guys in the Knicks didn't really show up. But, I mean, you know, playing every single minute of some of those games at the end. Yeah, and... I was going to say, they, he was almost like Jokic-type numbers in those first couple of games against the Heat, where when he came off mm-hmm. the floor, they just got blown out during his rest yeah. minutes to the point where Thibodeau basically went full Thibodeau and just played him like 46 <laughs> minutes a night or whatever yeah. at the end. Uh, yeah. So I was very, very... Uh, the reason I put him on the list is because he proved to me... I mean, we thought of last year when we saw him in the postseason with Dallas and we were like, oh man, he was really good. He really proved to me this year that he is like a real stud. Like he is a, for sure going to be worth that contract and really really good player um you know probably not best player to title team but that's fine most players aren't but i definitely believe he could be a number two guy to be on a title team and he's got that you know we talked with and he's got that dog about him right he's a he's a guy who is built for the postseason um which is funny considering one of the things we thought about him was it was it two years ago now when carlisle wouldn't play him that he might not be a postseason guy and now we're like you know, if you're just picking guys you want to have in a postseason game, he, from all the players in the pool that were available, he's got to be in the top ten, right? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I'm I'm was with you guys there too. Like, how much of Brunson was playing? You know, next to Luca, how much of it was him running against the second unit? These sorts of things. He answered all those questions. Um. You, you and I have talked about it many, many times, but we both love the Villanova guys, right? So, <laughs> gotta. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just just another uh, feather in, in the Kappa J right there. Um, the Knicks were fun and good and entertaining to watch. Like, even the team that made the playoffs, what, two years ago? Um, yeah. It kind of finally broke their streak. They they weren't necessarily fun other than that their fan base decided to hate Trey Young. <laughs> you know, it, it, was yes. like a, it was like a career Julius Randle year. Um, where he played outside of his mind for that season. They made the playoffs. They Everybody hates Trey Young now. It was great, but that team wasn't good. This team yeah. was good. You know, mm-hmm. this team deserved their place in the second round of the Eastern playoffs and went toe-to-toe with a team that's in the finals for a lot of it. So pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me hear... Is it this your last one, I think, right? This is my last one. Saved the person who impressed me the most for last. Um, me too. And, th- <laughs> and, that, and that is Devin Booker. Um, Devin Booker, I think, myself, uh, I'm definitely guilty of this, and a lot of other people are as well, kind of slandered him a bit last season because of the way the Suns went out in the playoffs uh, to Dallas there, just very meekly <laughs> getting getting run out of the gym. And with how well Steph played in the playoffs, it was pretty obvious that Devin Booker wasn't a first team all NBA player. It was kind of like the thought process. Like he, it was empty stats still that sort of thing. Just reading off. I'm just going to read off his point totals from his playoff games in order oh, this season. Do it. I want to hear it. Yes. 26 in a loss to the Clippers there. And then in the four wins, 38, 45, 30, 47. <laughs> And then the six-game series of the Nuggets, 27, 35, 47, 36, 
28 and then 12 in that final game where like he was clearly run down. He averaged the second most minutes of any player here in the postseason, yeah. uh, 42 minutes per game just behind Durant, his teammate. So both of them were out there the whole time because Chris Paul got injured as everybody knew would happen. Um, and they had traded away all their depth for Durant. So they did not have anybody else. Like he had to play that many minutes a night for them to have a chance. The Clippers played incredibly well, uh, despite Leonard and George being out. Then obviously the nuggets are the nuggets and played very well. And the, these guys still handled them it almost entirely because Booker was putting up these numbers. And I mean, just to cherry pick a couple of things, his shooting percentages from some of these games, 80%, 77%, 70.4%, 60.9%. Like absurd, absurd shooting on absurd volume on a crazy amount of minutes played. You know, Durant played a ton of minutes as well, played a lot of points, but he was kind of an inefficient chucker for most of the playoffs here. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had nothing else <laughs> to work with. They had campaign out there playing point guard, getting minus 30 in playoff games on his <sighs> on off yeah. things. Uh, yeah, I was very, very, very impressed by Devin Booker. He is one of the top players. In, like Devin Booker is good enough to be the best player on a finals team, I think, mm -hmm. um, at this yeah. point. We're talking about that with Brunson. He's probably not. I think Booker is. If if they have a little bit more depth, like an actual NBA playoff roster built up around them, as opposed to just a pretty good starting five and then crumbs, uh, who knows if they'll be able to pull that team building off. But but Booker was amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna save my Booker stat for later. It's gonna be more important uh, as we talk about the finals matchup here. But um, yeah. Well, you say could have been, could be best guy in a, a finals team. You know, he was on a finals team that was up 2-0, right? <laughs> and he was yeah, absolutely. Team, and, so. and you and I have talked about this a bit. Like up to that point in the playoffs, at least, you you could have made an argument that Aiton had been the Suns' best player during that playoff run. Like Booker was the best player on the team, but Aiton was mm -hmm. kind of the reason they got to that point. Yes. But you're right. You're right. Uh, we we have seen it, but like this is just further proof that like you you don't you can build a team entirely around Booker, right? Yeah, because I, I think had the had Giannis not basically went supernova on the team and the and the the Suns won that Booker probably would have been Finals MVP. They would have yeah. he would have had to have been Finals MVP for them to win, and he put up. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, sorry, my train of thought got totally interrupted by Siri here. Because um, he, he put up really good numbers in that, uh, in that series against the Bucs, and he was, like, putting up big, big games, but uh, obviously the Bucs made the bigger plays, you know, the Drew Steele on him, and then um, they like that. Yeah. But, of course, Giannis yeah, is a 50-pointer. But he was really good finals team, so. Yeah, pulled up the stats there. Like he didn't play well in game seven uh, that they, or sorry, game six that they lost. But games four and five, he put up forty and forty-two points in losses. Mm -hmm. Like, not the problem. Yeah. yeah, he was great. Yeah, yeah, I've been a fan of him for a long time. I know for you know those really bad years, people said he was just an empty stats guy. You know, he had the big, he had a, did he have like a seventy-point game? Right, he did. 
And that one was an empty stat 70 point game. They That's were fouling to get him more points or <laughs> yeah. more possessions at the end and stuff. But still, even if it's an empty stat 70 point game, it's still a 70 point game. That's crazy. Right. I feel like he got that stigma kind of stuck to him. It was uh, it was kind of like, well, obviously they're going for it because it's a cool thing to do. And it's not really. But his team stunk for so long. But I was like them. And yeah, he's shown quite a lot. I think he's. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess you're going to agree here because I can't think of anybody to bring up to disagree he's the best shooting guard the number uh best number two uh in the league right uh yeah yeah has to be at this point i mean i don't even know i guess playoff jimmy butler or is he are we calling him a shooting guard um but no oh, yeah, i always think he's he's, he's a, always a he's a wing me, in but... some capacity but yes i would yeah. say booker's the best two guard in the nba yeah because it's like uh yeah there's just not a lot of <laughs> choices that you would be like uh i guess it depends how you what do you feel about Jalen Brown's position. I always think he's kind of a forward too, but I guess he's a shooting guard. But and Brown's amazing. Yeah. He deserved an All NBA team, but again, Brown can't be the best player on a Finals team. Booker can. Right. Yeah, I still think Booker is better. So, uh, yeah, he he was so good. The that game when he and KD scored like eighty percent of their team's points or whatever was nuts. Yeah, yeah, the um, one that they they won what game four. To, to tie up the series, sending it back to Denver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it was game three. That, but both of them were crazy games. Yeah. So, I, he, yeah, he, he has really taken his game to another level. And importantly, his defense has gone up. Um, that was one of the things that was kind of like, he was kind of like an okay defender. You know, he didn't necessarily try hard enough. And then the last couple of years, uh, kind of, I would say, starting with the post- Maybe like you would say the bubble slash mm-hmm. after that a little bit. He really took that part of his game to another level too. Um, yeah, because it, it took him a year or two to guy. shake the kind of like Harden-esque reputation of being, you know, not necessarily like these guys are good enough athletes that they can play defense, but you, you kind of got the feeling that they didn't try super hard on defense to save themselves for offense. Um, mm. And you, I don't think you could say that was the case with Booker, especially in the playoffs where... He's running 42 minutes out there a night. Yeah, it's just too bad, as you said, he kind of ran out of steam because they have no depth, so they have to play him so much, and he was cooked. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I've... I don't know, but he's, he's really good, <laughs> as we said. Uh, and I don't want to get too much into their, their, what's going to happen in the future, but obviously he is the key player for them going forward. So, it, yes. you know, you mentioned the ant thing, and the, I will briefly mention it because I don't want to get too much, but uh, timeline is interesting for them as well, the same way with ant, where they have mm-hmm. uh, their best players not on the timeline of a bunch of their other players on the team, right. which is maybe not smart, but I don't know. We'll, we can talk about that with Dan sometime. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I know you've been just waiting for me to talk about this player for so long. I, I have been, for sure. Up. <laughs> And you said you picked your last one as your most impressive player. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to lead off with this guy just to, you know, get going full head of steam right into it or save it. But since you talked to Looney first, I was like, oh, Steph's a logical choice. So I saved my number one guy. It's him. It's Austin Reeves. Of yep. course. <laughs> it's White James Harden, as I, as I am wants to call him, because he is such a freaking foul hunter <laughs> and he's so good at it too he's and he's less annoying about it than Harden. i feel like because he like harden 
I feel like Harden initiates so much of the contact. Reeves tricks you into following him. I feel like, like yeah, the and, there's, to, and there's something to, to make said you about, like, do it. <laughs> a lot of our other foul hunters kind of have like the signature move. Uh, as yeah. it is, you know, Harden, it's kind of like hooking the other guy's arm and then throwing yeah. his head back. Chris Paul yeah. it was the stopping the dribble and letting the guy run into him from behind, sort of thing. Reeves, you, you talked about a bag earlier. He's got a he's got a bag of <laughs> tricks to yeah. get to the foul line. It's not like he's spamming the same uh, <laughs> move in a fighting game over and over again to get to the free throw line. He's he's mixing it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, because he 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 does a lot to, and he's so smart about it too. And that's what uh, I think. What also makes him less annoying about it too is it's uh, Austin Reeves is a good player. But he's not an MVP level player like James Harden, and that's what's True. frustrating about Harden. It's like you're so good. Why are you doing this? And it's so frustrating to watch. But um, right, you're like the, he's got to, yeah, yeah. We're like the opposite. You, everybody can appreciate like the guy who just you know was undrafted, finding mm-hmm. a niche and doing everything he possibly can to make the team, and then doing everything he possibly can to get more minutes and everything he possibly can to get the next contract. Like you got to kind of root for that guy much more than you root for. Like you said, the already MVP trying to mm-hmm. increase his scoring from 29 points to 34 points per game by getting fouled more often. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. Because, like, Austin Reeves, I, I think, um, I can't remember us ever. I'm sure we, we have never talked about it in depth, but we have definitely, I have definitely mentioned, like, in the past, like, oh, I think Austin Reeves is pretty good. And I know we talked about him for sure after the post trade deadline when I was like, yeah, no, Austin Reeves is good, like, yeah. legit good. Um, I didn't know how good he was, though, you know, um, and that's the thing about why I've been impressed by him, because I thought Austin Reeves, and I think you would have agreed, was um, overqualified role player level of guy. Yeah. Um, and I am convinced now he is third best guy in a title team <laughs> level guy. Uh, he because he knows how to do like, like we said, he knows how to get his shots, but he can initiate offense, too and he can get all the guys involved. Like, one of the things that the Lakers made the mistake of at times was, um, I can't believe I'm saying this on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but they didn't run it off offense through Austin Reeves. <laughs> and it's true. They should have run more Austin Reeves pick and roll because LeBron didn't have the legs all the... You know, he's 38. Of course he does. Right, he's right? having surgery here soon. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. And if they had just run some more Austin Reeves pick and roll, maybe that series is different against um, the Nuggets. You know, um, he was that good and he was getting his, getting to his spots and getting his shots. And um, he's just like legit, a really good player, uh, which I don't think we th- thought he could. He's, he's the best. Um, not like star guy that LeBron has ever had as a teammate. You know, that's what I think it's. I don't know if you know that's debatable this point that's not star yeah that's tough to say it's like because we we trash on those Cavs teams but like zadrudis gauskas was very good um yeah not second best player on a title team good but very good still um yeah it, it, that'd be an interesting thing that we probably have to look into but i think that's fair and, and i'm with you i i thought reeves was kind of getting a lebron bump you know everybody plays a little bit better with LeBron on their team, obviously, mm-hmm. than they would anywhere else. And we've seen Lakers leave and do worse. <laughs> we've also yeah. seen them leave and turn out that they were good the whole time. And Reeves is, yeah, I think, Kuzma. very clearly that yeah. second category. Like, 
this isn't a guy that was just thriving based upon having LeBron and Anthony Davis on the team. It sure helps. It sure helps. But he he found a niche on that team and filled it perfectly. You know, post-deadline and when they were doing that bit where LeBron was out for a while is where he really increased his uh, usage rate when you started calling him White Harden <laughs> because that was when he, his usage rate increased. And, you know, I, I, I'd i have to go look. I can't say definitively that his, you know, free throw percentage uh, was higher or lower before that time, but that was when his usage rate climbed enough that everybody kind of noticed it at the very least uh, as something that was sustainable. Like this dude just gets himself to the foul line. You know, that's a great yeah. skill to have as an NBA player, especially as somebody who shoots like 85, 90% from the free throw line uh, as well. Yeah. Like he's not just getting fouls on the other guys. He's reliably getting those free points for you. So yeah, it was, it was higher than Harden's rate. Cause I, I did the yeah. math on the last one where it was like in that short time frame, he's like, yeah, free throws per game was higher than Harden. That's why that's why it was so funny with the joke because I was like, oh, he's actually going to line more than Harden, which was like crazy in that uh, time span. When I mean, the biggest thing for them was when they got rid of Westbrook and they basically had to hand the keys to Reeves, and it was like, guess what? He could do it, and that was so shocking um, to find out that he wasn't just like scrapper hustle like guy. He was actually good, uh, and um, I mean, again, I don't want to get too much of the the, the offseason stuff, but. Like he could get a contract for ninety million dollars, and that's oh yeah, crazy. he's gonna get paid. <laughs> and he'll be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers have to do to keep him. Um, obviously, he's a restricted free agent, so they they can match anything. But um, I mean, a team is gonna put down a big number because yep. it's the Lakers, and they're not gonna just be like, "Well, we know the Lakers are gonna match, so what's the point?" Like they're gonna make the Lakers pay, and um the number that they lay down for him too i think is going to be probably worth it because he was yep and as we've said always and (laughs) remain will probably always forever remain true no team can have too many wings like you know what i mean you know he's maybe not like a prototypical three and d wing but he shoots well enough uh his defense is certainly serviceable um and he provides that skill set of being a ball handler from the wing spot for you uh which teams love to have with their second unit mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean like he'll yeah. he'll start somewhere but he he's he feels like a guy that's going to be like staggered minutes with the starters to get the ball in his hands a bit against other second units sort of guy on a team probably the lakers like i think they'll match but i'm interested to see him with more minutes next year over a full season yeah uh yeah if lebron has to miss some time with his foot or they just decide and style back his minutes and just run more through Austin Reeves and Anthony Davis misses the usual lot of games he misses. Um, yeah, we'll be seeing a lot of him with the ball and he's a good player. So, um, yeah, I picked them because he, I, as a, as the one I was most impressed by, because I just didn't think, I don't think we thought that was in him. <laughs> I gotta be honest. No, nope, not at all. So props to him. Um, and hopefully, man, if, uh, what was what was Dan pitching or something like that that he wanted like because he wants Austin Reeves so badly on the Mavs <laughs> and then I was joking like Austin Reeves on the Mavs versus because Harden might there's a good chance he's gonna go to Houston Houston yeah and then then we have to make Dan go watch that game <laughs> yeah Dan would have to road trip over to to Dallas for it <laughs> um so uh that's not it's not gonna happen but you know that would be fun so 
we will move on to our next quick segment here, lightning round, okay. uh, about some teams that didn't uh, make the finals again here. I just had a couple quick questions for you here. Sure. Uh, we don't have to get too in depth. Um, you could say a couple sentences, maybe whatever, whatever you want to say here. Uh, cool. What team has the biggest regret this postseason after, uh, I guess, not making the finals or um, you, you can define that however you want, you know, it has to be Boston. I think um, it's either Boston or Milwaukee, I think, because both of them are have windows that are open. Now, Milwaukee's is closing faster than Boston's. But when you have to start paying guys and making decisions in this new luxury tax environment, you you can't squander a game against the eight seed heat to get to the finals if you're Boston. So that that's that's what I think. Uh I also went with Boston. Uh kind of the same thing. Like um they I they shouldn't have even been into a game seven, you know, they were down three nothing. Nope. But they also shouldn't have like I don't know how they got, came up. They shouldn't have gotten down three nothing. <laughs> exactly, right? It's so insane to think about, you know. Um yeah, I think they probably have the, the biggest regret about um, not going to class. They were so close, and especially after that, the other team I thought, and I'll say it here, was uh, Sixers, but especially after winning that Sixers series, they had to feel like in the driver's seat. And I think I said that, too. I was like, man, they are mm-hmm. in the driver's seat now. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's got. I think it's got to be them. I did think Sixers because, like, that team could be over if Harden leaves. Yeah, I mean their windows shut, but they clearly—I mean—they've never made it out of the second round. Like <laughs> that's as far <laughs> as they go. How can you? How can you regret going to the same place you always go? Yeah, the Celtics went to the finals last year and probably should have went to the finals again this year. And, um, yep. so yeah. Uh, number two question here: biggest disappointment. I think we know the answer. To this one has got to be the Bucks. Yeah, probably. Um, my issue with calling them the biggest disappointment is that. They, you know, Giannis got Giannis hurt. for two games. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then he was clearly not 100% coming back. But then the Heat didn't have Hero or Oladipo. They got hurt, too. Like, But probably, if you're the one seed with who we both feel is probably the best player in the world, although Jokic is really... It's um, Jokic now, but... Yep, yeah. <laughs> made a case for himself. Uh, you, you've got to get out of the first round. You can't get beaten five games in the first round you just yeah. can't yeah the, the thing for the bucks is, is the five games i think if they had lost in like six or seven i think it would have been more sandable but it, it's so hard to evaluate a little bit because it was like well Giannis got hurt for two games and then after uh when he came back in game three was it the one or four that he came back right he missed three games I forget how many games he missed uh yeah whatever, he missed one games game one he, two and three basically yeah 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 when he came back in game four and after the game, they were like, he did, he missed um, post game press conferences and people were like, Oh, that's really strange. Cause he never misses those. And the reports were that they were having to do a lot of work on his back and might've had, had to be injecting stuff into him. <laughs> it was like, Oh, I see. <laughs> so, uh, but I still think it's gotta be them. The other, the other option um, I, I thought there were two would have been, of course the Clippers. Big that's shot, who I was right? going to say too. Um, and- and that's less of a disappointment for their season and more just another nail into the like, man, like yeah. this team when healthy was good and fun. And we just never actually got to see them healthy at the right time. And just mm-hmm. another, I mean, Leonard looked absurd 
<laughs> the oh, two so games good. that he played. Uh, <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's most disappointing just as a fan, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one I thought uh, about was the Cavs because they just really sucked. And I thought we would get a little bit more out of them. You know, I thought they were going to. I think we both picked them as one of our most interesting teams coming to the season. And we thought they would take a, a leap, a step forward. Like after the postseason, that is a step forward, but they sucked. Not yeah, and and not only did they suck, but how they got beat by the the Knicks too. Like, had it only been Brunson just lighting the world on fire and outdueling Mitchell, you you kind of live with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But their issue was that Mobley and Allen got pushed around by that front court. Like they yeah. like the rebounding percentage and fouls and that sort of thing and, and interior defense in that series skewed heavily toward Julius Randle and uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson, Robinson. Uh, crazy, and not crazy. the guys that we would have thought, because both of us were very high on an Allen Mobley front court and they got mm-hmm. worked. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah, that's, that was, that was basically the reason I was thinking about them was I just was shocked that their two big guys sucked so much. and got beat by Randle was a total pumpkin in the next series yep. again. And Mitchell Robinson who the hell was ever thinking about Mitchell Robinson? <laughs> yep. Like, come on. <laughs> like, give me a break. So, uh, I would say just that's disappointing from like a nerd basketball standpoint that they just, they, I don't know what was up with them. They did not look ready or whatever the heck. I don't get it. But that's what Jaron Allen said. He said, you can prepare and we just weren't ready. So, I guess, yeah. Props for honesty. We'll see if they can fix it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think we talked about it when in the, uh, postseason preview that they just have, didn't have a lot of experience and it showed at times. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then we'll try this one here. This is a tricky one that we might okay. revisit post-finals. But uh, who do you think is going to look the most different next season from a roster standpoint? Uh, we'll throw out head coaching because obviously half these teams fired their coaches it feels like. So. Um. I'm going to say the same team that I said when you asked me this question last year. Uh, and I'm going to say the Portland Trailblazers. Are we saying oh, playoff I mean, teams only? Playoff teams. Playoff, playoff teams. teams only. Playoff teams only. Let me just look really I'll, I'll let you. Here. I'll let you pick um, play-in teams, too. That's okay. Sure, sure, sure. That, add, that adds only it adds the Bulls, the Raptors, the Thunder, and the Pelicans. Um, Boy, I not- guess I guess the only team that I can think think of looking at the playoff team sort of structure here that I might think about is the Sixers. Cause I think we both and a lot of people have the feeling that Harden's going to Houston. What are they going to do? Are they going to try to trade pieces to get different things to build around Maxi and Embiid? Um, they don't have a lot of other stuff to work with based on their other trades. I could see them doing some kind of weirder things with uh, Tobias Harris or, um, not Maxi, I think he's there, but they have to keep. Him, I think yeah. they're going to look a lot different, and I just think a lot of the other teams are going to kind of run it back for the most part. Mate, my my secondary pick would be the Warriors. Maybe now that Myers is gone, they kind of look at it and say we have to get rid of Jordan Poole. Maybe we yeah, have Poole's to get rid gone, of. Yeah. Maybe we have to get rid of Clay's expiring. Um, Oof, that's tough to do, but yeah. It's tough to do, but like if you want to extend it. Steph's championship window, you've got to do those sorts of things because they don't have any other way to rebuild the roster. And nobody's right. going to take pool, but maybe they'll take 
one expiring year of clay because he was a great regular season player still last year. Um, and who knows? So those would be my two, one for East, one for West. Okay. Yeah, I think um, if you if you put Kaminga with Pool, you could get some. Uh, that's interest. true. That's that's tough to put that to do that to basically be like Pool. We made such a bad move. We now have to get rid of Kaminga too. Uh, that's yeah. Tough. Who they're high on? He didn't play much postseason minutes, but he's it's because he's young still. He's, like, they're high he's on him. Still so young. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of teams. I thought. Well, the team that I know they want to make change, or I shouldn't say they, someone wants to make changes, is the Lakers. Um, we know <laughs> LeBron wants to get Kyrie, so uh, that would have been the obvious choice. I don't think they're going to do that, though. I think um, after LeGM made them do that disastrous rust trade instead of the heel turner one, Rob Palink will be like, last time you were LeGM, we made this horrible trade that I had to make all the other trades to get us out of out of the hole for. So I don't think they're going to do that. Um, yeah, and Woj has already reported that they they will match anything for Hachimura and Reeves, Reeves. and he's kind of a Palinka mouthpiece for them a lot mm-hmm. of the time. So that feels like they're what they're going to try to do, which means they kind of got to stand pat if they're spending all those money on those two guys. Exactly. So the team that I actually think is the answer is the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, you know, I, of course, in the last one, I pitched uh, CP to Spurs. Yep. I think they want to get rid of him no matter what. Um, his, I, I gave his contract for, I think it was like 30-some million, 15 guarantee. They want to get that off the books. And I think we also think... Aiden. I th- are we thinking Aiden on the maps? Are we both leaning that... <laughs> I there are ways to make it happen and the Mavs seem desperate and it's it's one of those things where when you look at the Kyrie trade we we all hate it but it kind of makes a little bit of sense from a Mavs perspective in that they don't have a ton of cap space they don't have a lot of great assets so they kind of had to buy low on Mm -hmm. a star from a trade market perspective and hope it worked out with the scenery change uh which is what i think Aiton would be as well like you you're not having to get up give up four picks and two pick swaps to get deandre Aiton like you had to do for some of these other guys that moved around last summer um so yeah i mean i could see them going after him and kind of doing a similarly re- thing it's like he's the only other quote-unquote star level player out there that they might be able to get based on the assets they have available yeah i, I just it wouldn't be a good yeah. team <laughs> but they can try <laughs> yeah I, for dan's sake let's hope that's not the future but it seems like something they would do so yeah i, I i'll say the suns because i think i well we know for sure they want to get rid of one guy uh paul and i think I don't, well now that dick nurse is gone i'm like 100 percent sure kevin young is going to get the job in mm-hmm. phoenix so uh he was the assistant there so i can't imagine ayton's gonna love playing for him either no probably not um he might not be along either so i guess let's move on to the finals matchup we're now an hour in so whatever we're in so let's move on to the finals matchup the whole point of this thing it's the uh, what did I say again? The Mita Kimes tweet. It's the off-campus meal plan. 
eat nuggets, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, which I think is quite funny. Um, so the Denver Nuggets, the Miami Heat, Denver, the number one seed in the West, Miami, the number eight seed. Or they're sort of like that, really like a seven seed uh, in the uh, East. And this is our finals matchup here. Denver has home court over Miami, which matters quite a bit. Uh, do you want me to just jump in here? Do you have anything you want to share up top first here? Uh, no, I don't have anything. You can go ahead. Hello, friends. Hal Dan here. After a long day of chopping trees and removing orcs' heads from their shoulders, I work up a mighty thirst. That's when I crack open a can of Minas Tirith Light. This golden ale goes down as smooth as the Anduin, and with only three calories, I can keep my swole bod. <sighs> Minas Tirith Light. It shows its quality. Minas Tirith Light contains alcohol. Please drink responsibly, unless you are Nalir, in which case we don't care if you get blind drunk and stumble into the cracks of doom. All right, since you want me to start here, would you rather, do you want to do Denver or Miami first? Which would you rather here? Uh, let's do Miami first. Okay, yeah, so this team, obviously, is it's very surprising that they're here to begin with. Um, mm -hmm. They defeated the number one and number two seed in the East. However, uh, because so Dan has been asking us, like, what, how did, this is one thing we've been talking about, the three of us, is like, it doesn't make sense how they got here and what, yeah. what the hell happened. Like, they were so bad in the regular season. Um, and yet somehow, and they barely scraped by. Uh, I think uh, Worldwide Wob tweeted out the uh, screen cap of them. <laughs> Down with three twenty-seven to go in the second play-in game against the yep. uh, yeah. the Bulls, and how they how they bounced back from that and then became got to the finals is insane because like they looked like they well I came on here and I I mistakenly thought that the Bulls had won because I I was I that was what I had in my notes because Miami looked so cooked during that game that I didn't switch my stuff over, um, so pretty impressive that they got here. Um, I think a couple of things to talk about as far as like how did they get here? There's the obvious one about Jimmy Butler and his like I don't remember what I I think it was I'm sorry this is from the last episode so you'd have to go back and listen to that. I think I said something like two active players have increased their like points, rebounds, and assists per game in the postseason from the regular yep. season in their career. It was uh Jimmy and Paul George. And so like here are Jimmy Butler's stats from this season, regular season to the postseason. He went up from twenty two point nine points per game to twenty eight point five, five point nine rebounds per game up to seven, five point three assists per game up to five point seven. That's pretty marginal. And 1.8 steals per game to 2.1 steals per game, um, which actually significant in steals because people get so little, so few steals. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's 0.3, that's actually kind of a lot um, to go up. So he's just like taking his game up to another level. 
I think the big one is, um, you probably know the answers. His shots per game, is it up like eight or something like that? It was like 14 to 21 regular season to playoffs this okay, season. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so that's like seven extra shots per game. Obviously, minutes is a big factor why he's playing way, way more minutes. So, of course, you can shoot the ball if you play more minutes. But um, the, the, the thing that I, I have uh, kind of been thinking and focusing in on is so last year they were the number one seed, right? And then this mm-hmm. year they were, uh, as, this, as hard as I tried to catch Brooklyn, they could not get there. So they were the seventh seed. And so it's like, okay. And this is, uh, I, I hate to talk about the Bucks here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in the way that Bud thinks because Bud is like, looks at, um, and this is his weakness and why some of the stuff he's like, what? He looks at like large sample sizes and he thinks like, okay, look, things will regress to the, the large sample size. Um, and this is what, and the reason I'm bringing this up because it's like, well, which large sample size do you want to look at here? So, um, <laughs> what's crazy is that in the regular season, in the uh, for three point percentage, they shot thirty four point four percent, which yep. was the fourth worst in the league. And it wasn't like they were lightened up from two either. They had the fifth worst field percentage, field goal percentage total. So they sucked at shooting the ball. Uh, however, this postseason, they shot are so far shooting thirty nine percent on threes, which would have been the best number in the regular season. So you know the kind of outstripping teams, and you'd be like, oh, so huge disparity. They're just really hot. But last year, in the regular season, they were the best team at shooting threes. And they were 37.9%. Right. Uh, and basically the only player they lost on the team is P.J. Tucker, and he's not Steph Curry. So, <laughs> uh, um, so I guess uh, the question I want to ask you here about this specifically is, like, do you think I'm onto something here? Or, like, because I, I, this, this is the only thing I can come up with. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't, no. I, don't, I quite you can't brought, understand it. <laughs> you brought this up when we were talking, you know, throughout the week that the Celtics series was going on because we were all kind of trying to figure out our theories of getting to the bottom of it. And mine was just, you know, unsustainably high three point shooting percentage based on small sample size variants. And then you were like, but yeah, last year. And you know what? I, I honestly think you might be onto something like it, it would take somebody looking back at the heat's numbers this season. Like was was it just that Duncan Robinson was terrible? But like, no, he wasn't that great in the regular season last year either. Um, yeah. You know, he was hot in the bubble, uh, basically, and then hasn't been amazing since then. So that that is an interesting take because it is basically the same roster. They're giving a lot more minutes to Vincent and Caleb Martin here in the mm-hmm. playoffs than they got in the regular season in large part due to Hero uh, being out. Uh, so maybe and that Oladipo. plays a role. Yeah, and Depot. Yeah, so maybe that plays a role. Not necessarily that these guys are better three-point shooters, but maybe just floor spacing um, and ball movement on offense is a little bit better without Hero and Depot out there. Who knows? Uh, but it, it's an interesting enough stat that I'm on board with buying into it that, you know, there were maybe some shooting slumps during the regular season, but this cl- this very good three-point shooting team is who the Heat actually are. And we just didn't get to see it for the full 82 game season this year. Who knows? They've been yeah, hot in the playoffs, though. 
I, I, I don't know. I can't because ex- I'm kind of with Dan. It's like I can't really come up with anything to totally explain why they were so they were not just like mediocre. They were bad, like a bad, bad team. No, offense. I mean, in our playoff in preview season. episode, we talked about like we talked about the Bucks Bulls or sorry, the Bucks um, Heat series as if it was kind of a foregone conclusion that Milwaukee was going to win because of how bad the Heat's offense was, which I mean egg on our face for sure but like Mm -hmm. regular season numbers looking at it like we you can understand why we were brought to that conclusion we brought up all sorts of things on what you know where they ranked offensively and they were all horrific (laughs) but here we are in the finals with an offense led by butler jacking up shots getting to the free throw line and the team again was like what 14 of 28 i think from three in the game seven closeout over boston yeah like just Great three point shooting as a team. I know it. it I like I said. I, I I'm sorry to be sound so dumbfounded here, but it, it's it's so hard to figure out how they went from being so bad in those play in games to being here. Like yeah. it was like not even that long ago. Like they looked so they bad. looked cooked. They, yep. Yeah. I just don't. I don't understand. <laughs> um. So th- those are those are really the only two things I can come up with are like Jimmy's increased usage rate and I think my my theory that I think this is probably actually a good three point shooting team and they just had all their guys had a season long slump maybe and uh, then they got it going and they got the confidence here they are again and um, maybe you cut out some of the other guys you know taking some of their shots and now putting it up I don't know man because like. I, I I told you to I punted my my Booker stat because this is the one I wanted to read you because this is pretty nuts so, um, and it's gonna be about Caleb Martin. Mm-hmm. Here's the list of I guess I just spoiled it so this is too bad <laughs> that was stupid of me because <laughs> here is the thing only two players have done in the postseason I'll say it now is uh, scored more than two hundred points on fifty five percent or better field goal percentage and forty percent. From three or better, it's Booker and Martin. We just talked about Booker being like the best guy in a title team, and the other guy is Caleb Martin. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we both agree that Caleb Martin should have been the Larry Bird Trophy winner for the MVP of Eastern Conference Finals, right? I I think so, and and my thing is that I just and I think you said it too. I think Jimmy had a couple of really bad games, and Caleb Martin was much more consistent, even if he didn't have the uh, impact on a couple games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's, got, this is not the finals MVP. This this is an award they made up last year. Right. So, like, there's no precedent for how we're supposed to give this one away. You exactly, know? And, exactly. And, and it doesn't it, mean anything. So, yeah. <laughs> no, nothing at all. But I mean, he got waved Yoke by Charlotte. So. <laughs> they, they kept his brother <laughs> and not him. I, uh, oh. I am I'm dumbfounded. Uh, you know, I knew the Martins a little bit coming out of college because WSU tried to get Musselman who's now at Arizona. Oh yeah. Or not Arizona, sorry, Arkansas. Arkansas. Uh, and oh, he was at yep, yeah, he was at UNL or sorry, at Nevada Reno at the time. Uh and when the Cougs fired Ernie Kent, Musselman was like one of their top targets and that was when the Martin Twins were there. So I'm I'm vaguely familiar with them, like they made it to the tournament a couple times when they were there, but uh he's not the type of guy that I ever imagined like willing a team to the finals. <laughs> in a series against yeah. the Celtics. Like, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. In the regular season, he averaged like nine points per game. He's up to 19.3 in the postseason. What the hell? Yeah, who knows? Maybe... Per... I know he's getting more shots, but... Yeah, like, oh. 
yeah, this is one of those, like, is it a flash in the pan thing? Or is this kind of like when the Warriors had David Lee get injured and they're like, well, I guess we'll play green all these minutes. And then, like, oh, wow, <laughs> look what we found. Um, kind of situation here oh, with, no. like, Hero being out. You know, they've talked about Heroes targeting probably game three for coming back. Mm-hmm. That's going to be really interesting. Um, how Spolstra integrates him. Yeah, he, he, I agree. You can't cut into... Um, Vincent and Martin's minutes starting. He's got to come off the bench and basically I, I I don't know how much we wanted to get in strategy, but I think the Heat are probably gonna have to try to go small uh and try to have to just blitz <laughs> on defense and concede that Jokic is going to get his points um at, at times. So I think there's minutes to be had for all those guys on the court together when they're kind of doing their yeah, Jokic might score 12 points this quarter because we're doing this, but at least he's not going to be getting all the assist numbers and stuff as well. Yeah, I yeah we, we can get into the weeds about defense if you want here. I really don't know what they should do. Uh, Bam is obviously their key defensive player, and he can't, but he's like the only big they have, like Zeller mm-hmm. and Ke- Kevin Love. If we have to see more than like five minutes per game of those guys <laughs> combined in a finals game, uh, the Heat are losing that game. Like, yeah, and Bam and, you know, has to play a basic defense and can't get in foul trouble. Their big thing that they did against the Celtics, where everything worked, was playing zone defense against them. I mean, you're just you're just not going to be able to do that against Denver. You're just not like the no. shooting that they have out there and Jokic's ability to play from the high post and these sorts of things. Like maybe you'll stop if you play zone, you're going to stop Jokic from getting forty points, but you're going to have so many wide open. Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray and Contavious Caldwell Pope three pointers that it's just crazy. Like you, you, there's no way they can play zone with Jokic occupying the middle of it. I don't think. No, he'll just he, he actually knows how to pass, so he will just yeah, exactly. Beat a zone is passing. You know, it's not dribbling. Uh, you got to pass the ball to beat a zone, and guess what? That seems bad against <laughs> the best passer of all time. <laughs> this doesn't seem like a good thing. Nope. <laughs> uh, so I. I and and also the other problem with them too is uh, Jimmy. He, not only does he look like he's out of gas, there have been a couple times where it looks like he might have like a banged up knee or something or leg. Yeah, lower body injury of some sort going on there. And it's like if he can't basically be Jimmy from specifically the Bucks series where he was just eviscerating the Bucks and got everything he wanted, made everything. I don't know what Miami. I don't know, man. They're gonna. They really need him to show up. I, I guess almost maybe Caleb Barton, you know, could score twenty five points per game. Hey, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be tough for them defensively. I agree. Uh, um, they'll have to make a decision, as you said, about like who are they gonna. I think they will probably. I agree. They will try to shut off uh, Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I think that'll be probably be their strategy, and um. Just let Jokic cook him. Because, like, yeah, if Jokic scores 50, that might be the strategy. So let him score 50, but then Murray only scores 20, and Michael Porter Jr. scores 13, <laughs> and we win. That might have to be what they do. Because it's yeah, like. It's going to be interesting. Because, yeah, like we, we talked about you and I, Bam, for being a defensive player of the year candidate the past couple of years. Like, boy, he. He had some moments in that Boston series where you're oh just like, God. what are, what are you, what are you doing? Bam. Like 
and on both ends of the floor the for, a te- for, a te- for a team that really kind of should struggle for scoring. It's hard to have somebody like him out there sometimes on the offensive side, especially if he's not actively making your defense better, which it doesn't seem like he has been. We'll see. But I think both of us feel like if they play true man to man with him against Jokic, he's going to get cooked. Yeah, I, I feel like as much as uh, we talk, as much as I talked about Caleb Barton, as much as we talk about Jimmy and stuff, I mean, Bam is their their kind of like bellwether player because if he is making his like uh, free throw line jumpers and stuff, they're really hard to beat. And when he's not making them, their offense really tanks because they really need him to be put, putting it in. Like that was the thing again to go back to the Buck series. Sorry, but. When they played them in uh, 2021, they basically played such heavy drop against Bam. We're like, beat us with your jumper, Bam. We don't think you can do it. And he didn't. And this year they did the same thing, and then he did it, and they won. And so it's like, yeah. and he, he in the other series too, he was making his shots, and then he rolled up in that Celtic series. And especially at the end, he was, I mean, he was playing, he was making some good rebounds and stuff, but he's killing them on offense. Like, game seven, he passed up a dunk and a layup. Like, come on, man. Like, he was in his head, and I mean, he was rough, and they need his offense this time. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, um, should we move on to the offensive team here, or, or anything yes. else you want to say about Miami? Nope, I think we Denver deserves to be talked about. I'll, I'll start off here, just because you have already uh, proclaimed yourself, you know, giving yourself the well-deserved pat on the back for having them here in the finals. <laughs> Uh, thanks um, for reminding me. It feels so good. Yeah, <laughs> I think we talked about this with the Suns going into the Bucks finals, uh, where even if you think a team is good, it's hard to, tr- at least for me, it's hard for me to trust them to make it deep into the playoffs to the finals until we see them do it. And I think sure. I personally had been underrating Denver not just this season, but even even last season. Well, last season I said I was worried about them in the first round against the Warriors, actually. But just be just based on that, like we Pick they them. made a good run in the bubble to the Western Conference Finals. Uh. But uh, you know we hadn't seen them get here, so I think I didn't think as highly of them as I should have. And they are so good. <laughs> Denver is a very, very, very good basketball team, uh, and they've been playing outstanding. It's even on the defensive end in the postseason, which has always been the rub, right? That's always mm-hmm. been the, the the fear of playing Denver is that, yes, Jokic is amazing, generational passing, big man talent that gets his rebounds and scores from anywhere on the floor. But whatever, regardless of what all those Raptor defensive stats say, you just know that he's going to get beaten. Uh, and that has not been the case this playoffs. Um, and they've looked very good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they were 15th again in the regular season on defense, which is usually not good enough, but their offense, especially in this postseason, has been so good, it hasn't mattered. Um, so no, it's just automatic. And and when and the big difference, for sure, from the past couple of years has to be Jamal Murray. You know, we saw him yep. dueling against Mitchell in that bubble series, and we're like, whoa, this guy's great in, in, in these sorts of things. And we've seen it this time in the postseason, too, just him just going absolutely lights out at certain points when they need it get, you know finished that finished the Lakers off in that fourth quarter and then started the very next game and basically buried them in the first quarter 
yeah. <laughs> to the point that he 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 almost single handedly took out the Lakers in two consecutive quarters uh, in that series. Like he, he's a great complimentary piece to to Jokic, especially when they can pick and roll together. Like we talk about the Steph Green pick on roll, the the Jokic Murray pick and roll for very different reasons is terrifying as a defense that have to try to stop. Right. Yeah. That's so funny. It, Cause like they're different because like they're both such effective plays, but Draymond is completely not an offensive threat and actually Jokic is the ball handler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's so funny. It's so different. Um, the way that they run the same play basically, but with different personnel and how, how, uh, it plays out is so different. Um, you mentioned the Murray Jokic uh, duo, and this is a crazy one that I saw here. So, teammates to average 25 plus points per game on 50 plus percent shooting from the floor and 40 plus percent from three in a conference final. Um, obviously, I'm bringing it up because it was Jokic and Murray here. Mm-hmm. If you want to take a guess at what the other, there's only one other duo that's done it. Should be Stefan Durant. There you go. Yes, 2017. Stefan yeah. KD, like the greatest team we've ever seen. <laughs> yep. So it's like, yeah, that's how good they were. They they were just. Um, I thought the Lakers played pretty well. I, I have to be honest. I think the Lakers. I know they had swept, but they could have won three of those games. Yeah, but they were in them. The they played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference was that Jokic and Murray had that little bit extra and they were so damn good um, that that got him over the hump in all those games. Basically uh, they've been playing out of their minds. Jokic. Um, I hope you don't mind. Can I read the stat line here? Yeah, no, please. Okay. So in the postseason here, he's averaging 29.9 points, 13.3 rebounds and 10.3 assists. He's got a record eight triple doubles so eight, far yeah. in the playoffs. And uh, six are in his past eight games. So he wasn't even like doing it in the beginning. He's he's upped his game as the the pressure has gotten more, as they've gotten deeper, as the need of and the reliance on him having to be as good as he is gotten even more important. Um, So he's he. He's really looking the part, you know, I I joked with you, I think the the move now has got to be for players you gotta win two regular season mvps but not one of finals yep and so that way when you put together your third mvp level caliber season everybody's like i can't vote for him because of the historical precedent because you will win the finals <laughs> in your third mvp season because Giannis did it and now Jokic is going to do it um so that's the move now so it be that's that's what it has got to do here oh and anybody else who wants to uh <laughs> right <laughs> uh, yeah, <from> Wemby. <laughs> uh, that's got to be not, the, the hot move. Not to bring up Giannis again uh, and to rehash things that we've discussed before, but this postseason in particular, because I mentioned it with the um, Wolves series that a lot of those games were close. We talked three of the four Lakers games were close. Mm-hmm. They played a six-game series against the Suns and only blew them out in one game, thanks to Booker. The biggest fear that I always had with the Bucks when we were both considering Giannis the best player in the world was that when you get to crunch time, your best offensive player 
Giannis wasn't a non-shooter, but well, you could offense, say he can't shoot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard to get those points in crunch time, and we saw it. You know, a big part of their success in the year that they went and won the finals was that Middleton made a bunch of clutch crunch time baskets for them mm-hmm. uh, at the end of games. There is zero question about that with Jokic. This guy has been automatic <laughs> down I'm, the stretch I'm of these games. <laughs> Yeah, like that stupid three pointer where he chucked it over his head. <laughs> and that's been the other gripe against him is, you know, his conditioning level and those sorts of things with him getting gassed. And we did see it a couple times in the Lakers series. Like that Murray game was great for him because he yep. he was looking out of it by the, t- you know, which was fair because Murray was terrible up until the fourth quarter. But yeah, you know, just do everything. Uh, yeah. But throughout the playoffs, when Denver has needed a basket, they can throw the ball to Jokic and they get a basket. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. th- that's not something that many teams can say <laughs> at this stage. Like, eh, and that's what you need from your superstar in, in the finals is yes, he's going to be working on it all game long, but when it comes to crunch time, do you trust him to score regardless of what the team's doing defensively? Like, is he that superlative on offense? And Jokic is. Um, yeah, he's, in- he's incredible. Um, I I, uh, I think I mentioned that I wanted to pick him to go to the finals in 2021 before Murray blew out his knee, and it was mm-hmm. like I've been kind of waiting for this moment, and here it is because I just had this. Bl- and the biggest thing is, as you mentioned, is Jokic getting in shape. Like he was coming in in these um into the regular season and working himself into shape. He was coming in overweight and doughy, and. Big shock, as soon as he decided to cut his weight and get into better shape, he put together the MVP seasons and became an, another player, you know? Yep. And it's like, um, he has, once he started taking his body as seriously as his mind and stuff, it all started to click, and he's become so, so incredible. Um, and I th- there's really not enough superlatives you can throw in him. Uh, no, he's such a unique player. Like you yes. talked about him maybe being the best passer of all time. And it's tough to quantify that, but like you have to consider him in the conversation. Some of the things, the way he sees the court when he's out there is absurd. He's big enough and positions himself well enough that he gets way more rebounds than he should based on his athleticism. And mm-hmm. he can score from literally any position on the court. He's got his goofy old man YMCA bag of tricks that can get him points from anywhere to the low to the high block he shoots well enough from three-point range he's a good free throw shooter so he doesn't have to get pulled off the court from that like he is a basically perfect (laughs) basketball player like you know what i mean like you you couldn't ask for any more especially on the offensive side of the game from him Mm -hmm. yeah and his outlet passing is like the scariest thing like if he gets the ball and he's loading it up like you're like oh my god they're gonna get a dunk (laughs) yeah you just know it. You just know it because the pass is going to be perfect, and you know he's seen the angle, and his guy has just got to finish the play. You know, it's it's crazy. You know, um, all those years ago, do you remember when I did the COTR as uh, NBA players? Yep. Remember this? And I said uh, Chad was Jokic because he's tall, gangly, goofy, and nobody thinks he'd be good at it, but he's actually really effective. That is now offensive to Jokic. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. Uh, yeah, that was pre-MVP version of Jokic, yep. for sure. Yeah, and, you know, the Nuggets well. have done what they need to do to build the team around them. You know, they're they're not yes, a free agency destination. They drafted well. They got a couple 
minor trades to fill in the spots and they got good three and D guys now with KCP out there. Uh, and even Porter's been much better uh, mm-hmm. now that his back has kind of stayed healthy. Um, and they've built the correct sort of team around Jokic, which is kind Bruce of like Brown. the same Bruce Brown. Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, Christian Brown, uh, Braun as well. Um, oh yeah. My Kansas like, guy, right? My trainer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like they, they've built this team almost like you would build around a prime LeBron team. Like, you don't yeah. get as much defense from Jokic as you got from Prime LeBron, which means the team's defense isn't as good. But like, you've got shooters, you've got slashers, you've got one or two extra like ball handlers to take pressure off. Like, without having another superstar, you're still plenty good enough because of how good Jokic makes everybody else and how complementary they've built this team around him. Yeah, and I mean the thing with playing with Jokic it must be a dream because you know if you know if you pass the ball the ball has a high chance of still coming back to you, right? You know, it's like, we co- we complained about Harden earlier, you know, it's like, if Harden gets the ball, like, good luck getting it back sometimes, right? Uh, you know, that and mm-hmm. when it was peak Harden, like, yeah, the ball was never getting back to you. And um, if Jokic, if you keep moving, the ball will come to you. You know, if you get open, he'll find you. So that must be a dream for a lot of these guys to play because he rewards your intelligence in your movement and your effort it's not just like i'm moving and i never could touch the ball because then neither i want to move right yep. you get it with Jokic, so uh, so yeah it's fun good. to get to see denver here we saw it all playoffs long you know like if you're a casual nba fan the way that nba media caters to larger markets means that you're probably not hearing a lot or getting to see these guys a lot and we joke. I mean, if you're in Denver, you don't get to see them at all because they've been right. Yeah, out for I was the same or whatever. But I was gonna say that, yeah, we know why nobody see, talks about them. But they would see them. Like the yeah, but they, they don't. They don't get enough airtime. They don't get talked about enough for how just dominatingly good of a basketball team they are. Yeah, um, and it's good uh, that they're going to get their their shine here in the finals. The ratings are going to be bad, especially in comparison to having Steph and LeBron and these things for all these years going at it, but. If you're a, a casual sort of fan, watch it because watching a team with Jokic on it play basketball is just so different than watching any of the other ball handler wing point guard dominant teams that we typically think of as good basketball teams. Yeah, for sure. They'll be if you yeah, if you've not seen them play before, it will be fun to watch Denver play offense. And uh I don't know what we're gonna get from Miami. <laughs> so um that could, I guess we can maybe move into the um, predictions, predictions here, but yep. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say for Denver. I think you kind of summed it up well. Um, yep, I don't either. So I'll, let me go first here because obviously okay. we know what I'm going to pick here. And uh, I'll give you a couple of reasons uh, beyond what we've talked about. Uh, Nuggets are on 10 days of rest, mm-hmm. Miami's going to have three and we just yep. talked about Miami being a little looking gassed, having some guys with some injuries, um having some of the key players be a bit older, you know, Jimmy and Flowery are a bit older. Um I guess it doesn't matter for Haslam, you know, he raises raises that average age of the team up by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Denver is in the regular season, they were thirty four and seven at home. 
they have a true home court advantage because of the, the thin air, which I think is also really bad for Miami being tired going with thin air. Um, mm-hmm. This this was this was technically the second best regular season record, but they really had the first because they kind of just gave up at the end of the season because they had the first seed locked up so easily, and Memphis overtook them. But it was re- they really had the first one. If they had tried, they would have. So they have the best co- home court because they have a real home court um, because of science. <laughs> um, and how about this one, Chellen? They haven't lost to the Heat since the bubble. <laughs> I was going to say it's, yeah, it, it's like, what, 10 and 1 in their last 11 games, and that uh, one was back in the bubble or something like that. It's yeah. nine straight. Um, basically, since Jokic became MVP version of Jokic, they don't get to play each other very often, East-West teams, you know, yep. just based on NBA scheduling. So you can't read into it too, too much, because who knows? I didn't do enough research to see, you know, if Miami was coming off a second game of a back and back against Utah than them. You know what I mean? Like, but still 10 and one is quite the uh, damning figure. If you're <laughs> looking for silver linings as a heat, yeah. fan, I think. Oh, it, there was a good one. Uh, you have, you'd have to listen to the mismatch um, on the ringer uh, podcast network with uh, Kevin O'Connor and Chris Verna. Cause he reads one of the, I think it was the second game they played this year. Denver and Miami, and uh, Blatko Chanchar started for Denver, and Miami had two guys who played on it who are not on the roster right now. I don't think <laughs> right in that game, and I was like, I had I'd never heard of these players either. So I was so you know, grain of salt with some of that, right? As you're saying. So um, all that said, big shock. I'm picking Denver, and I'm gonna pick them in five. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna triple down on my Denver picks here. So no big shock. No, I I think that's a really good pick. Um, My gut says Denver in five as well. You know, I've it's kind of funny. I'm I'm running into two counter things here where I've not believed in Denver. So now I'm going (laughs) to really believe in them. But I also haven't believed in Miami and they've kept proving me wrong, too. You know, because I mean, I think it was after game four in the Boston series that I was like, I'm actually legitimately concerned Miami's going to lose this series. (laughs) <laughs> after i watched what happened in game four and, and it was just it was just a growing sense of dread every one of those games like oh god oh no is this going to happen um but i just think that denver just matches up poor very very well against miami we talk about all these things that Spolster's just gonna have to try and he's gonna have to try some weird things we we mentioned the rest here. I wouldn't be shocked if Miami comes out and launches forty three pointers in game one. I think, uh, I think it might have been Kevin O'Connor that was talking the same sort of thing. Like, you don't have the legs, you, you know, the matchup is bad. Do some things to feel out Denver a little bit. Try some of these different defensive things, different lineup rotations in game one, and launch a whole bunch of threes and hope that you know variants can maybe steal game one, but mostly be prepping for game two. If Miami can hit and and do that well and and pull off the miracle game one win, then then I think maybe we have a series, but I just don't see it happening. I think, I think Denver gets to clinch it in front of their home fans in five. Yeah. You don't think there's any way Miami could make Denver play in the muck. Do you? I don't think so. I think the way Denver's offense is structured, like, Miami can slow them down. We watched the Lakers uh, slow the like like Phoenix tried to run with Denver, and they had some very high scoring games. The Lakers 
were a much slower team. They they did slow the Warriors right. down and then tried to do the same thing to Denver. And it just didn't really work all that well because of how efficient Denver is as a scoring team. They're not like the Kings who rely so heavily on the fast break and pace to score their points. They're just good enough on offense that they try to push the pace to get more offensive possessions a game sort of uh, thing. So I think Miami will bog it down in the same way the Lakers bogged it down, which is to say that it won't be enough to really matter. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree. I I think they can try, but it's going to be to do it minimum. They have to do it a minimum of four games. Because we often talk about two sometimes where it's like, um, I guess we could have said this in the Miami series with the Celtics, right? Because they they kind of blew game six a little bit. Yeah. Um, they had to basically win five games of that series, you know, because they sort of they basically won game six and didn't. So they had to go out and win another game. And it's like winning five out of seven is hard. So like minimum Miami would have to do that in four games, and they'd have to win those four games. You know, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I guess you, you could be right. They could just get really, really hot one night and shoot like 50% on super high volume. You know, they shoot like 48 threes and they shoot 50%. It's like, guess what we won? <laughs> you know, yep. it's like, yeah, it's like there's nothing Denver could have done because we shot the ball so well. Uh, that could happen, of course, but um, yeah, I just don't see it happening. So, yep. Uh, both of us taking nuggets in five. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I think there'll be five entertaining games. Denver, with the exception of like kind of the last Lakers game there, really hasn't blown teams out of the water. They're just consistently beating them. And I think that'll kind of be the case here as well. They might they might wreck Miami in one poor shooting game. But I I think we'll be in for some interesting chess match stuff and seeing what Spolster tries to do. Yeah. I don't think it'll be enough, but I think we'll have some good basketball to watch, uh, even though the series as a at the macro level might not be super competitive i think at the micro per game basis it will be good yeah denver has some momentary lapses on defense where they let teams back in and it drives malone crazy mm-hmm. they always have like a five minute stretch where it's like they do understand defense is part of the game right right <laughs> um so that that maybe if they have a couple of those we could see miami get back into some games and keep it close so um yeah, I think uh, I think I have nothing more to add. I kind of exhausted all my thoughts here on on, on Denver. Um, Agreed. I'm excited to watch Wembenyama. So let's get this over with and get ourselves to summer league, right? Uh, <laughs> well, we, we, no, I'm very excited for the finals. Uh, yeah, we got to come back for the uh, for the wrap up too. Um, so when we when Jimmy Butler has averaged 45 points per game in the finals, and they <laughs> win in seven games, and we're well, dumbfounded. Uh, you know, we got to come right. back and get some egg out our face. <laughs> Perfect. We're good at that. So, yeah, I had fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to the finals. Uh, I'm just glad it's not Lakers Celtics, right? Aren't we all? That is for real. <laughs>